Tony. Yes. It's Tom. How are you? I'm well, Tom. How are you? Jerry on the other line here also. Jerry, can you hear Tony and myself? I can hear him. I can hear both of you. Tony, how are you this evening? I'm swell. I'm swell. Thank you both. Well, Tony, welcome. This is episode three of the Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion podcast. Jerry and I had the the, the pleasure and privilege of uh, putting into place the inaugural episode. And then last week, we had Ed Kelly uh, join us for episode two. So this is episode three of this podcast. And I hope that, um, you know, we have fun with this and we uh, provide our listeners with something that they can take away from the conversations we're about to have. So. Uh, so, Tony, why, why don't you? I hope, we can, I hope we can entertain the crowd as much as he did. He did quite a, a, a well, quite the job. So, Tony, why don't you tell us where where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I've been here for 22 years now, since 1996. Okay. My, uh, my wife and my two daughters and I moved down here from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been we've been kind of globe trotters. We've, we've Moved around the world a lot. We've lived in five countries and six cities, so we've traveled around a lot. And I have to say that soccer has been uh, a uh, a bit of the glue the whole time. Everywhere we've gone, we've we've participated, enjoyed, and uh, made made good use of. Did your Did your girls play soccer, Tony? Yes, they did. They did. They both played right through school, and uh, even even in China when we lived there, they both played on the uh, the local. Shanghai American mm-hmm. school uh, teams, so it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun all around the world. Well, I, I can tell already, Tony, from the conversation that we're having, that you feel the same way about soccer that uh, that Ed Kelly felt, and I'm going to tell you what something that he said. I'm going to quote him. I don't know how many people have quoted Ed Kelly, but I'm going to quote him now. <laughs> and he said that um, for him, soccer was a beautiful game, and it was a cross between ballet and chess. And he referred to it as a magnificent game, and he credited Jimmy Montano. Montana, yeah. He said Jimmy Montano taught him that. So I guess my first question for you is, was there somebody in your life that influenced you the way that Jimmy influenced um, Ed? There was no question. Uh, I, I didn't have the pleasure to play for Montana. I played against him. <laughs> and that was a that was a thrill in and of itself because you didn't want to you didn't want to win too too big against Joe, Joe Montana but but the uh, the real I guess the, the real uh, influence in my life is one of those strange confluences of events because you have to think about you know what God was thinking when He brought Joe Goldberg, uh, Orlando Maglia, and Ian McDougall together and put them in the same little hamlet on Long Island. Mm-hmm at around the same time when we all grew up and um, and put us all together on this rec league soccer team in 1962 that um, that became, you know, Oceanside United, which is a mighty program these days, and developed all these star players. Not, not Obviously, some of them played with, uh, you know, uh, Montana and other groups, but most of the guys that, that made their way through Oceanside, um, I should say many of the guys who did, made their way through Oceanside United, and that those three guys basically, you know, did the whole thing, and and um, their influence on me was was incredible. You know, both Maglia and McDougal played, I don't know, semi-pro or pro ball in their home countries before they immigrated to the U.S. And Goldberg, I think, was a referee, you know, in, uh, in 
Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. before he uh, emigrated. And, and it's just, you know, one of those strange events that that we all ended up together. Um, I was not even playing for the first couple of months on the team. And Bobby Ebert and Roddy and Warren Chaplin both, you know, talked me into coming down to one practice one Saturday morning. And uh, that was the beginning of the lifelong relationship with soccer. Tony, I, I share the perspective that you have of, uh, of Joe Goldberg. You mentioned Joe. I played Oceanside United Soccer also. But for those who are listening who perhaps don't have the insights that uh, we have, what can you share about his commitment to the game? Because he really, soccer was his life. It was his life. I I never saw a more dedicated man. He was, was, in many ways, he was driven. He was a bit nutty at times. You know, he was was a a madman. But I think that's what it takes sometimes to to do the kind of things that he did, build it basically build this program into this powerhouse that it is today. But, you know, he was out there Sunday mornings in the rain and Saturday mornings lining the fields and, and putting up the nets and checking the, the flagpoles and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was, you know, darting back and forth. I mean, this is a man who, you know, he had a career, he had a business, he had a family. Um, but, uh, you know, he took care of us and every every Saturday and, most, and then later on Sundays. Um, you know, he made sure that uh, everything was right the way it should be, and Oceanside United became one of the power teams on uh, in the German American League. Um, and how many of those players? I'm sorry to cut you off there, Tony, but how many of the players on Oceanside United went on to play on the Long Island Championship soccer team for Oceanside? Well, you can look at the roster. I mean, as I mentioned, the, the Kaplan's, uh, myself, um, we had guys, you know, like. Uh, uh, Neil Wasserman and um, uh, Kenny McComsky, who, by the way, you know, this is a sad moment for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, just learned the news of, uh, of Kenny's passing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if everybody's aware of that, but uh, that that news just came about and hit us like a ton of bricks last week. Um, yeah. but, you know, Kenny was our mainstay. He was our, our so-called money goalie. But, um, you know, we had uh, – it wasn't so much the 68 team – as it was the, the later team, 69 and 70, um, where we um, a lot of the guys were were products of the Oceanside United uh, machinery, and, and yeah. it, it just became uh, you know a part of part of the fabric. Mm-hmm. Jerry, yeah, I think I was the I played briefly for Oceanside United, but I think most of the other guys on the 68 team played for uh, Montana's team. So it, yeah, the, yes, it, I think that's true. The Collins, Collins boys, Rosenberg. Um, I'm not sure of some of the other guys, but uh, but but yeah, I mean later on, people like Steve Helfand and Bobby Ebert, um, Robert Rosenthal, and a bunch of those guys who played on our teams in '69 and '70, um, and a lot of the younger kids, guys who were younger than me, um, all played on uh, on Oceanside United. So. It was a it was a strong influence and a major factor because you know we couldn't play uh, during the school season we weren't allowed to play outdoors outside soccer mm-hmm. you know Artie, Artie wouldn't allow it so when, so when the season when the school season ended we picked right up on the German American League with uh, Goldberg and played the next you know any six or seven more months a year and that that was almost year round you know right. Summer league, like 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 Ed was saying and Jerry was saying, that summer league and point lookout. And I do remember one game when um, I was playing on the Montana team. Montana was coaching us, and um, 
I forget. I don't know who the, the other team was, but their 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 coach was a belligerent bully, and uh, he started badgering uh, the referee. And, and Montana tried to step in, and this guy just just cold cocked Montana in the nose and oh. broke his nose. It was, uh, <laughs> it was really striking. There, there, exactly there are a lot of a lot of people who are passionate about soccer. I guess that's just another example yeah. of their passion yeah. coming through. Well, the Oceanside teams in those days, you know, the guys were just as Ed, Ed mentioned. You know, it was soccer was king. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the, none of the other sports. I mean, uh, track and field was always big, and I think that was one of Artie's strengths. Was he he picked a lot of guys who were fast. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, they're the, you got guys like the Rosenbergs, you got Ronnie Petraka. You had guys from the track team who played soccer, and um, this was, uh, you, know, you know, one of those skill sets that we brought to the field that a lot of other teams didn't have. Tony, you, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned, because that was it. I didn't really possess great skill as a soccer player. A, a true component. I was, I was the same way. I was a, not a talented uh, ball handler, but I was fast. I could, I could just beat the opponent to the ball, and, and that was, yeah. and that worked. But Jerry, you were going to say something before? I was going to say I was short and fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little taller and fast, <laughs> but it worked. Well, you, guys, you guys like to hear arty stories. I got one that was uh, that stayed with me through the years. When when I was in uh, ninth grade in, in in Merle Avenue, Artie was you know he was the gym coach at the at the at the, at the junior high. Yeah. But he was the soccer coach at the high school. So. Um, we played a game. The junior high played a game. I think it was Valley Stream South. We lost three to two, and we lost because of a penalty kick. So Artie Wright calls me in the next morning. Calls me into his little office in the corner there by the gym. Yeah. He said, "Higgins, bend over." So I bend over <laughs> and he paddled me. I said, "What do you hit me for?" He says, "You don't know. Bend over." <laughs> he paddled me again, and he, he said. He said, now do you know? I said, I don't know. Bend over. He smacked me once more. I said, I'm not doing this anymore until you tell me what happened. He said, you let the penalty go, and then you lost the game. I said, it wasn't me. It was Mike Madani. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, bend over. I said, why? He said, because it should have been you. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, Tony more than made up for that presumed gap or imagined gap, because Tony Higgins made the 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 defensive play of the game in the 1968 Long Island Championship game. Towards the end of the game, the uh, the center forward for the uh, Longwood team had a breakaway. And, I mean, I stood there helpless watching that guy run towards Billy App in the goal, thinking there's no way anybody's going to catch him. And then, out of the corner of my eye, came Tony Higgins running diagonally across the field, and he caught the guy stepped on the ball, the ball stood still. Tony and the other player ran past the goal and Billy Happ kind of sauntered out of the goal and picked up the ball and kicked it back downfield. That was unequivocally the defensive play of the game. Now, I got to tell you this. My father remembers that vividly. And, and as I was planning this reunion, as I was talking to people, I, I spoke to Tom Brodsky on the phone, and I hadn't talked to him in 50 years. And so I said, Tom, we're going to have a reunion. I said, and one of the guys who's interested in coming is Tony Higgins. And Tom Brodsky said, Tony Higgins saved the game. <laughs> and I remember it. My dad remembers it. And Tony, I know you remember it too. 
So yeah, Tony, uh, Tony, Tony was a key player in that game. Tony, I have to tell you, I was on the sidelines with my father watching that game. I was 10 years old, and, and I can still see you sprinting across the field making that play. All these years later, I can still see that. Well, I'll tell you how the game, Ed was saying it's a beautiful game. It's, it's just instinct, you know. <laughs> this guy this guy scored, Robinson had scored 31 goals or something, and he was a, a phenom. And he just, he, he, he somehow he broke the ball free at midfield and, just started off towards the goal and everybody else was you know we were caught up a little bit and I just had the angle on him that was all it was just lucky and uh, you know we both tripped over the ball right at the top of the circle the ball dribbled in Billy Hap picks it up like a dolly catcher picks it up and kicks it out that was funny that season too because Billy Hap had been out with uh, appendicitis he missed like uh, I don't know about half the season but he missed several games leading up to the playoffs and um and then he came back in and, and you know solidified the defense. But yeah, that was one play that uh, I got I almost got away from. Then we we turned around right after that and scored. Sal Sal scored the winning goal just uh, within a few minutes. So Tony, over the years, I, I know that you and Jerry have uh, you know connected over the years. Uh, are there other players from the team that you've maintained contact with? Well, you know what? Let, let me interrupt for a minute, Tony, before we get to that part. Of the yeah, sure. I, I'm interested to know. Well, I, I know that you went to Brown and you played soccer in Brown. So let me interrupt and ask you, did Brown, while you were playing there, ever make the NCAA playoffs? Oh, every year. Did, did your team? Oh, no, it's another, another school where soccer was king. So by the time I got there, you know, they had a long record, long reputation of, of uh, soccer success. Of course, Ivy League football being what it is, <laughs> That wasn't much to worry about either. But the um, the Brown soccer teams were nationally ranked and actually had fallen on a little bit of hard times in the year 71. Um, uh, fell from first place to fourth place or something that year. So that was freshman year for me. We weren't allowed then to play. Freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity. So we had a great season, vars uh, freshman season. We moved up to the varsity in the next year. And um, we finished ranked like in the 20s. The next year, finished second in the league, and then the next two years we, we won the Ivy League um, title, uh, finished ranked in the top five. The junior year, we made it to the national semifinals, which is the final four. And I think uh, Andy Rosenberg had been with uh, with Cornell the year before that, uh, had been to the final four. So there's some very, very good soccer being played in the Ivy League in those days, and um, we were right in the middle of it. So did you play against Andy Rosenberg? Yeah, yeah, I played against Andy, against Bruce Arena at Cornell. Mm -hmm. um, I had one of my better games against Cornell up at up at Cornell that my my junior year. That was a lot of fun. Those those games were yeah, good. Yeah, the came um, the Comstock. Played against Giorgio Maglia at Yale. Played against Andy in, uh, in at Cornell. There might have been some other guys around, but you know, didn't really remember. Mm -hmm. Because everybody went all over the place, of course, in college. But um, there's one thing I remember from the '68 uh, season. By the way, you know we had we had a great season. We lost three games, believe it or not. I, I remember. Right? I, I remember. Didn't lose any game. But, uh, hmm. We lost three games that year. To uh, we lost to Valley Stream South. I have no idea how we lost. You know what? I, I'll tell you how we lost. I know how we lost. It was a Jewish holiday. It was a Jewish holiday. Yeah. And the Rosenbergs didn't play. The Rosenbergs didn't play that game, 
And I'm, I'm sure that there were Jewish players on the Valley Stream team who didn't play, but our Jewish guys were better than their Jewish guys. And we we're better than we, we really missed Yeah, when we lost the players, that year we also uh, I remember the one game we, we beat East Meadow 5-2 to two, and the two East Meadow goals were both on penalty kicks and Artie Wright was livid when he came into the after the game he came in the locker room and he chewed us out he said I don't give up two penalty kicks in a season and you gave up two in the same game <laughs> he was a character so you know what I interrupted by getting you to talk about the the guys you played against in college and I I'm, I'm not sure I can connect the thread. Where were we before that? But, uh, Tom, you read. Oh, well, the, the question that I asked was, um, over the years, have you maintained contact with yes. uh, members yeah. of... Yeah, well, I've stayed very close with uh, people like Bobby Ebert, Steve Helfan, uh, Warren and Roddy are, you know, occasional contacts. We, we're, we're all email friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I see Johnny Robinson's name all the time. I see Um, of course, you know, um, we, we just recently, unfortunately, just recently started to reconnect with Kenny McComsky, but uh, mm-hmm. his passing is, is just it's yeah. devastating. But, yeah. but we still keep in touch with a lot of the guys, and I think there's still, you know, some other... I mean, I've, I've moved away a lot, so it's been a little difficult, more difficult for me, but mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of the guys do keep in touch. And, um, you know, like you ask somebody here, oh, yeah, he's there. Or, you know, like, of course, Sal McMano, I hear his name all the time because of Jerry. Right, and, right, and um, yeah, um, Billy Hap, sad situation. But I heard that Gary's name is, is, is coming mm-hmm. up, and I heard that um, you know I got Kelly's name. I've spoken to Ed a couple of times over the years too. So yeah, well, I I tell you one thing though: if we if we met up tomorrow, we'd be right back where we were 50 years ago. You know, that's the kind for of sure. Yeah, Tony, Tony, you. You must have taken great pride in uh, watching your girls play soccer. I I was looking forward to my son being a soccer player, and it didn't turn out that way. He played football. He, he was a football player, but I, I'm sure that you took great pride in in, uh, yes. in watching your girls play soccer. Well, we also we worked it out. It was funny because where we lived, I've always either been the coach or the, or um, and, and when we lived in Japan, they needed a uh, a commissioner, mm-hmm. and they wanted to get a commissioner who was. American, because um, all their other commissions had always been, you know, British or German or something, because they knew the game, and they were, you know, mm-hmm. most of the Americans didn't really understand the game; they hadn't grown up playing it. Mm-hmm. So when when we got there, my girls were, were both going to play in the, um, the, the the league that they sponsored, the Tokyo American Club League. But they said, "Will you be the commissioner?" I said, "Well, sure, okay." Mm-hmm. Well, we've never had an American. So, uh, I, I, w- I want to make <laughs> so. I had a hard time convincing the Germans and the Brits, you know, that I was worthy of the job because they were, you know, looking down their noses at me, saying, "What do you know?" So, Tony, when when you were coaching, did you find that you channeled Artie Wright at any point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the thing with Artie, like Ed, Ed said, Artie basically let you play. What was good about Artie was he picked his guys, and then um, he knew what he had, um, and he put you in the right spot. And if he needed assistance, he'd bring somebody over to help. You know, he he always had the, the fullbacks moving up, you know, to feed in the the midfield. He had the midfield guys like Andy and Leon. They would run their, you know, run themselves ragged, feeding the ball up to Sal and uh, and uh, whoever else was up front, Billy Curland and those guys. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Artie knew, you know, he knew his players. He wasn't, like Ed said, he wasn't a sophisticated, you know, drill player, drill coach, mm -hmm. but he knew what he had. And, and I took that kind of approach saying, look, you know, first of all, this is a game. They're fun. Let the kids go out there. Teach them the skills, yes. And then, uh, you know, try and make sure they practice a little bit of it. You want them mm -hmm. ball control. You want them to pass. You want them to keep their head up. You know, I mean, those mm -hmm. are the basic things that we did. And yeah. that's what I tried to do as a coach. Uh, Jerry, I, wanted, you to say I just want to make sure we mentioned before the podcast ended that Tony, uh, Tony's dad was a teacher at Oceanside High School and taught French and Latin and was my French teacher my senior year. And, and he was my Latin teacher one semester. And, and, and Tony, Tony, yeah. you, know, you mentioned you worked yeah. overseas at a number of different countries. And I, I know you're bilingual. I'm just not sure how many languages you speak. Five, six or seven. How many? Well, I, I speak one language fluently, or some would say I do it English. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm conversational and a little bit more in French, Japanese, Chinese, pretty, pretty and pretty Spanish. Much. It runs in the family. At the that's time. incredible. Very, it's, that's a great story. Yeah, pretty much. So. Mm -hmm. You know, but soccer, is, as I mentioned earlier, is a, is, a, is a real common thread because everywhere you go, if you know how to kick a ball around, you appreciate the, you know, the Hogo Bonita, as, uh, as uh, Pele called it, you know, it's, uh, it's easy to make friends, it's easy to, whenever we moved, whenever we moved, I would just drive around town, you know, look around for a park and find some kids playing, if they were my age, I'd just say, hey, you need a player, like Ed said, you know, he called up somebody, and uh, they, they would get him on the team, and that's how it worked out, it was great, and, um, you know, you can always play, it's an easy game, it doesn't cost a lot, just need a field and a ball and, and a couple of guys to, to kick it around. Mm -hmm. You go to local parks and play. I played in England, played in Japan, uh, you know, just everywhere. I played mm -hmm. even in, uh, uh, in the U.S., of course, all over the place. So Tony, watching the game today and comparing it to the way the game was played when you were in high school, do you find that there's a difference? Yeah, I do. I, I think the intensity is much higher. Yeah. Much, the, the quality of fitness the ability, first of all, we used to use that big old leather ball and that thing hurt like hell when you your head. Yeah. And now they've got this nice, you know, uh, uh, I guess they're, they're plastic, plasticized, but they, um, you, know, they you can do a lot with them and they're, uh, they're really, these, the skill levels of these kids today is incredible. But it's also the fitness, you know, they're just, mm -hmm. they're, uh, they, can, they can run you ragged and uh, like crazy. And, and the speed of the game. It's a smarter game. There's a lot yeah. more passing, a lot more short balls, a lot more uh, you know strategic, uh, you know wave wave type plays where the team overlaps, and you know one guy splits around to the edge, hit the open spaces a lot more, boom it up there a lot, and um, you know, we made, we wasted plays, but we also did a lot with it because we had the skill to, and the speed to catch up to it, but not everybody could do that. Well, I'm going to say that the, these conversations, the ones that we're the one that we have tonight and the one that we have with Ed, I, I hope and I think that it's going to be generating interest in other members of that team to be a part of these podcasts because everybody has stories to share. And yes. um, I, I think that the, what we're doing tonight is going to hopefully inspire others to be a part of that. And um, they will certainly have an opportunity to be a part of these conversations at the reunion. So, Jerry, why don't you just remind everybody again Tom, uh, I got to tell you, about the brother, you are doing a magnificent job, and you get better and better every podcast. I just you, you, thank you so much for helping out with this. But the the reunion 
weekend is going to be November 16th and 17th. All teammates of everyone who played soccer during that era is invited, along with friends, family, classmates, anyone who would like to attend can join us on November 16th. That's a Friday night. We're going to be at Monahan's in Rockville Center for an informal get-together. And then we're going to have a dinner. And everyone's invited to that. Uh, it's going to be on Saturday night, the 17th, at MacArthur Park in Rockville Center. Anyone who's interested in attending should just contact me to make arrangements, and we would love to see as many people as possible there. So that's, that's the deal. Well, we, we look forward to seeing everybody there. Tony, I just want you to know that we were disappointed that we missed you in Rehoboth, but we'll be looking forward to seeing you in November, Nancy and I. We are very much looking forward to that and to catching up with everybody, and I hope we do get more stories because there's so much more you scratch the surface. Yeah. You know, we can make this a two-hour talk, and I still have a lot more. So. Well, Tony, you know what? We, there's no reason why we can't have an, a part two to this. Well, let's certainly get everybody else who yeah. wants to do it, and yeah. I'll be happy to take a second go. All right. Tony, thank you very right. much. Jerry, thank, thank you, you guys. Much. Appreciate everything. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care.